can't win anything with kids. edition of Tales from the East and it's the bumper European extravaganza episode and we're going to talk about Drogheda, the upcoming game in Iceland and Sligo. Uh, we have three interviews this week with John Bourne, Bryn Jargonarsson and Nolan Devlin talking about the Cliftonville season and we're going to read your European stories with the and the best storyteller who won a ticket to the home game against uh, Sternan next week and uh, some of these stories were worthy of movie scenes weren't they on Facebook. <laughs> A little bit of crack reading them out, but as usual, I'm Gary Parsons, and with me is the Prof. Carl Riley. Hello there. Now we beat Drogheda four one with three teenagers on the go- on the score sheet. The so the kids are all right. Uh, we're going to dissect this performance as usual, and we will pull no punches. So we're honest lads here, tales from the east end. Absolutely. Right. So the first half I thought was a bit drab. Uh, did a few chances. Former former hoop Richie Porty looked decent. I thought. Very forward thinking player. Yeah, he probably wouldn't stand there for them, but. This was the proverbial game of two halves, this game. Now, do you remember my stat? In the last 10 weeks, all but one of our league goals have been scored in the first half. Yeah. And in this one, all four goals came in the second half. So, the rain was back. Welcome back to Tata. Yeah, after a so, couple, we've been spoiled with a, bit, with a bit of good weather, haven't we? Yeah, so the players seemed to struggle in the slippery conditions, especially the first half hour. It was kind of poor, wasn't it? Well, yeah, the ball was uh, skidding all over the place really had an effect on the game Jeffrey Clark was caught offside a few times although one of those decisions was embarrassingly bad the the line on our side was terrible behind the play all a lot so I mean at least 10 yards behind the play so hmm. and Jeffrey switched over to the right side then after about half an hour and, and that's when things started to change we had a yeah. blitz of chances towards the end of the first half I uh, love that I love when the winger switch yeah. I think it's really effective Mikey hit the post from Miele's cross I'm telling you he has goals in him Oh, he was he caused them a lot of problems. He's he was a, a battler, real real he? handful, wasn't He's he? A real battler, yeah. Uh we can move on to the second half because there was a fuck all going on in the first. <laughs> uh Gary Shaw scored just after twenty seconds. I missed that one. I was under the East End selling badges, so I missed it as well, interviewing John Byrne. You'll hear the interview, the cheer just go up yeah. and we're like, Oh, we scored. Uh my young lad said told me it was an E finish, so uh good on Gary Shaw. Yeah, we caught them called. If you watched it back in Soccer Republic, um, straight from tip, knocked down by Mikey and Shaw, drilled it in. So, so an assist good from goal. Mikey, good, good performance all around. We have Trevor Clark as well with a super finish with his right foot and a gorgeous assist by Bulger. We're going to talk about him in a couple of minutes. Uh, great young prospect. Yeah, um, that goal was the pick of the bunch, wasn't it? Probably added some. a few bob to his price tag. Definitely. Definitely. He won't be going for cheap if he goes at all. Uh, we have uh, his contract that we did not know about that he signed um, we're looking at 500k now I'd say equal in the League of Ireland record 
Brazza said that he didn't feel the need to announce him signing a new contract, so maybe some mind games there from Brazza. Yeah, I love that line from Brazza. Because uh, no one knew how long Trevor was contracted for. And it left a few journals red-faced, didn't it? Yeah. Because they were insisting that it was up until the end of this Their year. Their presumptuous ways, yeah. But uh, yeah, Bradley said that Trevor could leave the summer, but only at the right price. Yeah, exactly, yeah. We're not going to uh, stiff ourselves. I mean, we're not Cork. We don't get rolled every time someone buys, us, buys a player from us. But as for the goal, yeah, as you mentioned, a beautifully weighted pass by Bolger. And even before that, did you see how fast he was on to that underhit back pass? He's, he made the whole goal himself. He's brilliant. He's got so like he's got that. Um, we'll talk. We'll talk about him in a couple of seconds or in a minute or two. But, he's believed um, to be the next big thing after Clark, isn't he? I'd say, I really think so. More game time is essential. Uh, we have uh, a Brennan on the score sheet. Uh, Sean Brennan. I, do you know what? I can't help but hate him as well as by association. <laughs> I know it's wrong, but they're just they're a horrible bunch. They really are. Probably won't like the stats though, because that means all four Brennan brothers. I've scored a talent. Yeah. That completes the set. Completes the set, yeah. So we have James Doona next and playing in his preferred role behind a striker. Uh, he's a confident lad, isn't he? I mean, he's bags of ability. He's already spending his goal bonus. He was on Facebook asking if Balenciaga customised their shoes and if you don't know what Balenciagas are, they're an outrageously priced pair of sneakers and shoes. So he's uh, quite a fashionista, young Doona. Well, he's really dangerous boots anyway because in around the box... Give him time to shoot as he shows. Oh, he's lethal, isn't he? Against Bray left foot as and well. this guy. Right this left guy foot. Yeah. Sweet finish. Yeah, that was left foot, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, and then we'll move on to the young prodigy Aaron Bolger. And we could talk about this fella for a while. I mean, what a cameo. Uh, he's really knocking on the first team's door now. I mean, he's so neat and tidy and assured on the ball. Gorgeous assist and a very smart finish with his left foot for the goal. I mean, it was coming at pace at him. It was very hard to do. And I think we have a player here, Riley. Yeah, it's unreal how composed he is in the ball. He's only 17, born in this century, which if you want to, if you want to feel old. Yeah. But uh, but that goal was all Gary Shaw, in fairness. Great run down the wing. And he came so far with the ball that he ended up standing behind the net as Bolger rolled it in. Yeah. He's having a great season, Gary, isn't he? And do you know that Shaw tried another overhead kick? I did, yeah. He, he, uh, it was... He's definitely. I have I have a little bit to say about that in a while, but he's 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 listening to you, Carl. I think I must be starting to influence the players because when I interviewed him beforehand, I told him to try it again, and we were laughing in the stand yeah. when he went for <laughs> Yeah, he nearly took someone's head off. Yeah, you booted your man in the head. So a goal and assist by Aaron Bulger, great cameo, and uh, one of Bradzer's babes. So let's hear what he had to say after the game. Aaron, a four-one win tonight. How did you see the game? Yeah, I think it was cold. The older boys put in a good shift and. I think we're on top most of the game and the result just showed how good we played. Like. That's your first league appearance of the season. How excited were you to get involved? Yeah, it was cool that the gaffer had trusted me to put me on and golden assist just topped it off me tonight. It was just quality night altogether. You're only on the p- pitch a few minutes and you played the ball through for Trevor Clark. A great finish. Yeah, just seeing the ball bobbling about and I just took a chance and ran on and dribbled at the centre half and played it through the Trev and it was quality finish. And Good goal, and uh, your first senior goal. Talk us through that one. I uh, just seeing the ball bobbling around, and luckily fell to me. And I just slotted in bottom corners, quality fail. Uh, I believe you haven't played much at all for the under 19, so you've kind of gone straight to, from the 17s into the senior team. So is that a huge step up? Yeah, it's a massive step up from like first team. It's just so much more physical, and I was out with an injury, and then I was away with the Doran squad, and now I'm only back about two or three weeks, and I'm just trying to 
some real quality there from Aaron Bulger um, we have uh, Lukey the cruciate conqueror born what a performance I think man the match for me um, this guy seems to bleed green and white now at this stage I mean he's hard work and he's tough and I was thinking can we make a list of love Carl so Lukey mm. has to be on the top the contrast the list of hate yeah yeah I think so the list of love and um yeah, no, Lukey was really good. It was a, it was an all-action performance, wasn't it? Yeah, a lot of people had him as a man of the match, and yeah, I'd go along with that. Yeah, I think so, definitely so. So that win, I mean, it, like, it left us all buzzing for Europe. It was a great win. Uh, Brazzer got a great reception when he came over to the fans. The last two games, actually, Harps and Drogba, and he seemed to appreciate it, but big test from now in Europe. Massive and- test. Huge. But um, the crowd was only 2,047, maybe people were at Radiohead. Or maybe they were hanging around the square, because uh, Conor McGregor was walking around that yeah, day. Yeah, I saw that actually, chilling, snacking in Nando's. Not exactly spending big cash, there's not much to spend on in the square. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, he's walking around, hopefully we could probably get him in as a Rovers affiliate. Doesn't seem to have a League of Ireland connection at all, does he? Hopefully balls don't sign up as a member as well, like they did with the Arrow guy. Yeah, with the Green Arrow dude. Uh, what else have we got? We have the Boston Rovers in the program. Um, this was a tournament in the 60s. And a couple of the names, they were funny. I mean, you had the likes of Aberdeen, who were the Washington Whips. <laughs> then you had Glenn's Horn, who went over, who were the Detroit Cougars. Cougars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love all these names. Uh, what else have we got? We have um, Dundee, were the Dallas Tornado. Yeah, so uh, that was that was a really popular um, tournament in the 60s, so we're going to try and get someone on top of that, aren't we, Riley? Yeah, when I was doing the research for that, um, when it was just announced that Rollers were going to play in that American League, they hadn't decided on a name a few months beforehand. So journalist and Irish Independent said, um, well, now that Guntoran have chosen the real catchy name of Detroit Cougars, <laughs> surely Rollers can't choose something simple like Boston Rovers and sure enough they were called Boston Rovers yeah Boston Rovers it's probably the least catchiest name in the whole league I know yeah but we're, we're Rovers aren't we yeah and Mick Leach made the point uh, I mentioned that book a couple of weeks ago that I haven't started reading yet but I just sort of skipped to the end and Mick Leach was saying that we didn't really make a big fuss out of it in Ireland uh, the Irish press did have a report from Pat Courtney who was in the squad and he'd write up a report of each game player yeah yeah, you yeah and send it back That's pretty but cool. there wasn't wasn't a huge amount of coverage and he made the point that Gantaran made a big deal out of it and you can see that now because Gantaran even changed their name to Detroit Cougars for a week or two they played they went over to America and played a friendly against Detroit City whereas their anniversary kind of maybe passed unnoticed there must have been a bit of a money spinner as well wasn't there? there must have been a few bob involved Mm. Uh, what else have we got yeah we're going to move on from that 60s tournament and we're going to talk about the Brennans 
they were awfully quiet on social media last night so uh or on that night so thank fuck because the grammar kills me <laughs> it really does yeah it's a shame they weren't there to have a rub in their faces you know the likes of uh Bodger and doing it on the score sheet yeah. if uh if gavin was 19 he wouldn't make the bench for under 19s at the moment <laughs> yeah yeah killian brennan was released uh i'm gonna be honest he's he's a horrible fucker <laughs> i mean he's chased over every team he joins uh it's just a, he's just a, he's trouble everywhere he goes tell us who you really feel yeah he's left another club mid-season deserting his hometown club because he didn't have the stomach for a relegation fight that's it probably too good for the league eh and you blame John Gill of course never his fault it's always someone else's fault yeah and you mentioned the horrible grammar gear oh it kills me yeah Keller said that he can only speak for himself and then he proceeded to speak for someone else <laughs> Mark Griffin and he said, team as a whole. Whole spell, spelled H-O-L-E. Oh, it's, just, it's just it's just laziness and it's horrible. Just, just, ugh. Peyton, do you know what? You're dying inside, I can yeah, tell. No, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. What are you going to do, girl? That's it. The Brennan brothers. Gavin, Killian, you are now on the list of hatred. <laughs> Yeah, the Thunderbolts are a great idea, aren't they? That's them two on the list of hatred. We're racking them up now. I think we've got five on it now. Uh, the badges before the game and a half time sold well. Uh, about half, so loads sold, loads left. And Carl will be dressed as an air hostess, complete with cleavage and pantyhose going up and down the aisles of the charter selling what's left of the badges. So, that's for your enjoyment. Don't remember agreeing to that. But <laughs> yeah, we'll bring some winners to Iceland. Uh, we accept Corona. Yeah. And Corona. And any other spirits or beers. Anything you want to offer. Um, the Academy Boys and Girls display. Some mountain, wasn't there? It was quite a show of strength. I saw someone compare it to North Korea. <laughs> yeah, that was Paul McGrath. That was brilliant. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> uh, uh, the Starnan assistant manager. And Carl, you had a good chat with him, didn't you? You'll hear about that in a while. Yeah, you'll hear that interview later. Nice but, guy, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sound guy. Um, he'll probably send back a very confused report though because Bolger and Duna probably won't start the game yep. in Iceland although you could make a good case for Bolger to start oh I don't know but I doubt, I, I doubt it I doubt he'll even play two up front but um, yeah and you won't have seen Graham Burke at all yeah so he'll catch him by surprise it's it's the same with us I mean we, we uh, Bradzer was over there midweek I mean you can't really tell can you from one game it's, it's only so much you can do yeah, Bradzer and Crown went over on Saturday morning and uh, he said in the paper today that we're about equal in standard to them and oh, yeah. he, he kind of was stressing the point that their their main tactic is uh, long throws and set pieces. Oh no, another balls. I don't like that. Set pieces in particular. Jesus. So we have... Um, so we were chatting with Mr Gunnarsson yeah, former Reading player, if you remember. Yeah, he's racked up a few Premier League appearances, so uh, nice guy. Having a beer as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was having a point of Guinness, and it was just, it was delivered to him in the middle of our interview. Mm, well, lovely. Sound and good. he told me not to tell anyone about it. <laughs> I just did, sorry. Just rattled him out. Yeah. Okay, so Carl cut up a Brynjar at half time, and uh, we're going to play that one now. Yeah, I'm here with Starnan, assistant manager, Brynjar Gunnarsson, and uh, this will be the third season that uh, Starnan will be in Europe. 
Uh, tell us a little bit about the club and its history. Um, in terms uh, of the club's history and, and age, and that is, uh, it's a fairly young Icelandic club. We were only the first time in Europe in 2014, I think. Uh, again in 2015 in the Champions League, and, and then we missed out last season and, and back now in uh, for the third time uh, in Europe in the in the club's history. Uh, you had a great run in 2014 where you beat Motherwell and Nick Poznan and then went on to play Inter Milan, so it was a great run. It was a great run, it's, uh, and for being the first time for the club in, the, in that competition, it's, uh, it was fantastic. It's, uh, we won the, won the league that year as well, so it's a, it was a bit of a uh, <laughs> dream season for, for all of us involved with the club. So um, we, as you say, we sort of dropped, uh, well we didn't drop back, we, we didn't quite do as well in the, in the season after uh, that we, as we like to but uh, you know we're back there back there in the, in the top three which uh, gives you the Euro- European places in, in Iceland. And two years ago Celtic visited and your stadium was packed to capacity so tell us what Robert fans can expect from your ground and Reykjavik as a city. Um, first of all Reykjavik as a city and, and the surroundings are, are great I think you know it would be a great trip for, for, the, for the fans of the Alcorn travel have a good ex- experience. Um, the ground is uh, smallish, I think. <laughs> it only holds about a uh, thousand seats, just about, uh, if, if there are that many. So, um, but that's just uh, what we have to work with. And, and, and I guess, uh, you know, the people in, in Iceland watch the, watch the football in England, and, and it's the same here. I think let's see uh, where the players want to go and, and, and play on the bigger stadiums. But, uh, you know, Still, you know, still we still have a fairly good team out there. This season you're having a bit of a blip this month. You've lost three games, but only eight games in so far. But how is your season going? Um, I, yeah, overall it's uh, you know if we, we uh, overall it's been going well. We had a good start, uh, a little bit of a blip now in, in that last three games, and, and um, nothing serious. I think it's uh, sometimes it just uh, doesn't does it go your way and, and um, we've got a game tomorrow again uh, which is the last game before the before the game against Shamrock and uh, you know looking to get back into you know get three points there and then we're back into the into the mix uh, in, the, in the sort of top three there and your squad for this season uh, for example the Laxdale brothers would be important for you guys and uh, tell us like what players will be ones to look out for for Robbers fans in your team um, we have a mix of sort of young, uh, experienced players and, and sort of mature players, and then we have a fairly young players as well uh, in, in amongst us. Uh, we got a seven-year-old, seventeen-year-old playing in the midfield. We uh, our bench sort of more or less fairly young, eighteen, nineteen, twenty-year-olds um, to look out for. Uh, I'm not sure if I should be telling you that, but. <laughs> But you know, we got uh, Baldur Sigurdsson who played with uh, K.R. Reykjavik, uh, played in Denmark uh, for two or three seasons. Um, he's our captain, so he's, he's a strong player. And, and um, I think sort of on individually there, we, we try to build a team around the, the, the team shape and the, the you know uh, the morale in the team, and, and, and that's uh, uh, that's our main aim sort of thing. The Starnan and Carson are known for their extravagant goal celebrations. Do you see the preparation that goes into this <laughs> up close? No, it was 
it started a few years back before I came to the club and, and uh, now I think the club is trying to take it more a little bit more serious and, <laughs> and we haven't done any of these celebrations for quite, quite a good few years so um, but it was good fun and, and you know it's amazing how many people know about it around the world uh, You're here on a scouting mission of course but before you see the game what would you know about Irish football and what would you know about Rovers in particular? Uh, not, uh, not a lot about Irish football I've, I've played with uh, loads of Irish players uh, at Reading Stephen Hunt Noel Hunt uh, Shane Long, Kevin Doyle, you know, uh, list is I could go on and on, and <laughs> uh, so I, I know the attitude and, and thank you, and uh, I know how you know the how they approach the game, and, and, and you know they they're all in and, and they don't uh, you know what can I say they they try to do the best every time I think. Rovers fans would know you probably from your time in England. You were. 15 years abroad so mm. when you came home to Iceland what sort of changes did you notice how much it improved domestically um, it's changed a lot it's um, the surroundings around the team the, the staff around the teams has changed quite a bit the facilities have changed uh, we you know we have the 3G pitches we have the indoor 3G pitches uh, in full size as well so uh, the winter was always tough for us. We, we, we had to train sort of inside on the in the handball courts or the basketball courts or, or that sort of thing, uh, or outside in the snow. But now that's the that's the main change. I think it's uh, it's been to the to the to the Icelandic football is the is the facilities and the 3D pitches that's been put put down. I think most clubs have them to train on during the winter, and and, and some have uh, have the indoor ones uh, as well. Um, so it makes the season a little bit longer and, and makes training a little bit uh, a little bit easier as well. Uh, Dundalk played FH last year in the Champions League. Dundalk just got through in the away goals. Cork lost to um, FR Reykjavik. Do you think it would be a close game again between Starnham and Shamrock Rovers? Um, yeah, having not having seen much uh, of the Irish football, uh, my feeling is the leagues are, are sort of very very close to each other in 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 sort of quality I think and, and, and the players that are playing in the league are, are, are sort of similar um, so I think uh, the UEFA ranking between uh, Stjarnan and, and Shamrock weren't, weren't an awful lot uh, Shamrock's not far off being in the in the seeded group actually so and you mentioned two teams uh, Dundalk and, and, and Cork who played KRA a few years back uh, it was a tight, uh, tight sort of games, and, and, and they could could have gone either way. Would you be hopeful of yourselves that maybe against the playoff round again, like you did three years ago? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's still a long way. You know, the, what we did three years ago was uh, was uh, unbelievable. We, we we hope, and that's our aim to get in, get there. But uh, it's a long way, uh, long way to get there. Uh, once you get there. Maybe as, as Shamrock knows, they, they played Spurs, didn't they, in 2011? Uh, I remember watching that game on telly actually, and uh, you know, it's a great occasion. But uh, when you play in the Spurs or Inter Milan, and that, it's uh, it's very difficult to get into the group stages. So that was Brynjar and Carl having a chat. Nice, nice fella. Quite uh, eager to talk, wasn't he? Yeah, he was up for the interview. Uh, he said that they've got a 17-year-old midfield. Yeah, he's joined the club. Yeah. 
and um, Battle of the Teens. When he was calling out all the Irish players that he played with, uh, I was tempted to mention Carol Shepherd because he probably would have said who. Uh, <laughs> I like it. I like it. So uh, we have some Shamrock rumors now. Usually these uh, kick off in silly season when uh, after November or whatever, and we players coming left, right, and centre on trial and everything. But uh, we do. We're believed to be given a Dutch defender a trial, Tim Linhorst. So he might get a run out against Celtic and Burnley. He's 22 years old and was last with the Graf Shap. And I actually, I think a fella, I'm not sure of his name, but on Facebook, something Darun, one of uh, Paul Murphy's friends on Facebook, actually told us a bit about him and said that he is the LinkedIn defender. He put himself on LinkedIn <laughs> and uh, that's how he's trying to get a trial. He's not the first person to do that though. Seems to have spoken. Do you know who once did that? Who? Paddy McCart. Paddy McCart on LinkedIn. This is before he joined uh, Finn Harps. A couple of years ago, he went on LinkedIn. Yeah, there you go. So it's it's working for this young guy. He got a trial. And the nickname of uh, the Grab Shop is the Super Farmers. The Super Farmers. We also have uh, two Collinstown lads training with us. We've Dean Carpenter and Darren Clark, uh, both left-sided players. Darren is Trevor Clark's brother. So any of the Leinster Senior League heads out there, please give us any info on the lads and what you think and if, if you rate them as, as players. So I'm not sure if they're just being given like a trial chance to be put in the window or if we're actually looking at them to sign. I've no idea. So, Well, if he's half as good as Trevor, he probably is worth signing. Yeah, he's quite pacey. I remember Dunster telling me about him on Facebook when he was watching the final. Out on Talkett said he's quite pacey. Had a poor game that day, but he's uh, he was uh, given the... There was an article written about him in the junior soccer portal, so... There's a bit about them. Uh, Pats came from 2-0 down to draw with Limerick, so that lifted them off the bottom again for now. A six-pointer against Galway this week in their battle to stay up. Owen Garvin is believed to be signing for them, and believed to be signing for them is Killian Brennan, so imagine really getting Pats with him in the team. I mean, we can only dream. Well, the last time he left us for Pats, it worked out very well for them. He was player of the year, won the league, but... I love him over there. I don't know how well it's going to go this time. No, it's just a few quid, that's it. It's just money. Uh, we've seen Joey and Doe on Soccer Republic on Monday night. Uh, I still remember him fondly for the Joey and Doe show. It's Cork and Talga. Yeah, I remember when he came in as a World Cup pundit a few years ago. And he was brilliant. I thought it was a crime that they only used him once on RTE. And uh, also I liked on the Soccer Republic highlights of the Jada game. How they just cut to Brendan Murray on his phone for no reason. Like he was Noel Gallagher in the VIP section at a Man City game. <laughs> like uh, I was watching Glassbury the other night and they just cut to Beckham yeah. and his family. So that was it. It's like, here's Brendan Murray. He's like a celebrity Star now. CEO. Yeah. <laughs> um, you'll be getting mobbed at the next game, Brendan. Uh, so the panel weren't too impressed with the ambition of John Caulfield and Kenny Shields. You want to expand on that, Carl? Uh, yeah, Caulfield was saying it was like, it's going to be 50-50 against uh, Levadia Tallinn and Shields was talking up the Danes an awful lot he was saying they have the tallest striker in Europe oh yeah and uh, I looked that up he's 6 foot 7 Nigerian striker no way he said their fullback has 10 goals I didn't look that up 10 goals Kenny Shields I'd say Kenny Shields did his homework now yeah um, what else we got we have Danny North got in touch I'm liking this one now Danny North got in touch with us over what we said in last week's show he said and I quote I don't like scampi fries so <laughs> Danny we're only taking the piss we actually do like it on Tales from the East End you won't be making the list of hatred and uh, aren't like that but uh, we're sorry about the scampi fries thing uh, men say bacon fries <laughs> apologies 
so there was a um, devastating news story in the mirror this week about Westmead player choosing Gaelic football over Shamrock Rovers when he was playing for under 20s and a championship team in the fourth season at Tallis. So a big, big loss. The GAA was young. Uh, what was his name? Don't know. Never heard of him. I've actually forgotten what I was talking about there, so we'll just move on. Uh, Gary Shaw will be on Between the Stripes podcast, uh, Longford podcast this week. So the former Longford man will be talking about our European game, so check that out. When he's not busy kicking draw the defenders in the face. And uh, I'm going to call it now. Shawzy will score that elusive overhead kick this season. And when he does, he has to promise to celebrate at the East stand, jump the wall, climb the steps, grab the drum, and lead the Ultras in a chant of Gary, Gary Shaw. <laughs> Quite a prediction, but <laughs> yeah. give you odds. Pretty dreamlike, wasn't it? I'll give you five to one odds there. Uh, I'll take that. A comprehensive five 0 win for the under 19s against Cove Ramblers and Tala. I discussed that I missed this because it sounded brilliant. Hat trick from Aaron Dobbs and two from Sean Boyd. Uh, Bulger, Dylan, Bone all played well. So we have a star stood in 19s, to be honest. Yeah, Bone was a centre half, Boyd was on the right wing. And uh, you were saying, could Boyd do the lawn move at this stage? Yeah, apparently apparently the Drogheda are looking at him. And they've lost McCarthy, so they're interested in him. And Dobbs is apparently moving on loan to, to Wexford, is what we're hearing. So, just uh, these these are all rumours. But yet these, sometimes they do have an element of truth to them. Yeah, it's something... good to get them out and get them playing senior football, though. Yeah, having said that, something uh, a few people noticed was um, the great attitude shown by Boyd when Boyd just scored the goal. The way Boyd ran over to him, I've and was this celebrating. Constantly. This is a, this is a, this is this guy all over. He said it, he was like that when I interviewed with him as well. He actually he he noticed a little bit about Mikey O'Connor's game that we were talking about with him, and I said, oh, so, so you have some competition here. He's watching you." I said to him, "He says no, no, he's just me, mate, and I'm glad he's doing well. So he's definitely yeah. a, a lovely fella. Like. Love the way he seems genuinely happy for a teammate like that when yeah. he scores and sets up a goal." See, he's got he's got bags of ability, you know. He's just having like a, I think someone said on Facebook a really bad second season syndrome. So hopefully it'll kick off. I mean, he'll get a long move, and we do want him back. So there's definitely um, there's definitely no plans to get rid of him. Another cracking under 17s game. So I'm draw three all at home to Galway. Three screamers in the game. They were two 0 down after 25 minutes, and they're still unbeaten. And Galway's Josh Keane Quinlivan could be one to look out for in the future. Uh, they are away to Waterford on Saturday at 2 o'clock with a cup game at home to Drogheda the following Wednesday so they're busy and the 19s have the weekend off we got another 40 or so seats in the charter which I took advantage of we depart at 11.30 Wednesday morning fly back straight after the game on Thursday night so maybe a dip in the geothermal pool and on the Wednesday there's a blues jam session in Dillon Whiskey Bar just where we're staying Lofus Viger I think it is or Logos Viger and after the band set up and do their thing they let the crowd up on stage so uh, if you want to belt out a tune using their instruments you're more than welcome 9pm that they start there's also a jazz live session somewhere along that strip as well so the cultured ones can go and enjoy a bit of music if they want yeah big plans I uh, see uh, McDara won the Euro draw prize yeah I saw that not that one <laughs> the other McDara fix McDara McGinn um, and this will be the first charter in six years without Brennan on it without what Brennan. more do you want ah there you go Yeah, well except for Ed Brennan but we don't mind him yeah no he's alright he can get away with it uh, we've Mark Lynch who's doing uh, great work behind the scenes sorting out drinks deals for us and it'll be happy hour all day and night at the Drunken Rabbit Irish Bar Dan Fulham is heading over on Tuesday so our own Agent Gargle will check it out for us in advance there's a Lebowski Bar and you have 
then dance crow if you're not wearing a rubber stop so just show your season tickets so godspeed agent gurgle <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's Dan's mission now for the Tuesday well he, if he's over there on his own I think Paddy Kilmartin is staying with him so I'm not sure if he's over there with him now but like I said godspeed if I go into the Lebowski bar I'm just going to keep quoting from the big Lebowski film <laughs> yeah it's that's just like your opinion man <laughs> <laughs> Dan to get our assholes uh, <laughs> uh, so we asked anyone if they been to Iceland in 1982 and Paul Doolan is the only name mentioned We'd be writing, he'll be writing an article in the hoop scene about that next week we're really interested in this because it was a long long time ago it was, uh, it was a what was the aggregate score of that one 7-0 a record 7-0 I mean we really want to talk to people who are there apparently it would have cost a fortune to travel over the time oh yeah I'd say so sure gargle would have been illegal wouldn't it yeah we mentioned that until 1989 uh, Ray Doyle says the Fram home leg was his first ever Rovers game and Ray Wilson on that game says Gay O'Carroll scored a screamer in the Milltown Road end in a 4-0 home win many years later Mick Cairns and I bumped into him in Sydney now this is all Ray Wilson's quotes and regaled him with the story of that goal he couldn't believe what he remembered about. he couldn't believe we remembered more about the game than he did so that's the fans though isn't it I mean it sticks in my minds more than, more than anything yeah. Paul Thomas wrote that someone went to Craiova you like that? Do you like that pronunciation? It's a lot better than your star name pronunciation. St. <laughs> yeah. Yarnan. It sounds it sound better. Scottish Highland <laughs> Football League Club. Uh, went to Craiova in Romania in the 80s and ended up sleeping in a commie army barracks. That's that's a that's a cool one. Yeah, and Ray Wilson again, he said that, that they were the best team he ever saw in Milltown. They were like from another planet. Mm. And he's he's actually, uh, he's quite elusive, Ray. He doesn't even have a picture on um, Facebook. Has one mutual friend with us, which is Maloney. And no picture, no nothing, and every so often pops up with a, with a, with a comment here and there. So he's quite elusive. Could we get him on the show, Ray Wilson? He's not like our star CEO, like waving on TV, like the celebrity he is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'd be cool to get Ray on, wouldn't it? When he's back in Dublin, we'll have to keep an eye yeah. on that. And uh, just on that tie again, McDara posted a clip of uh, the comedy Alan Campbell on goal that he scored in that tie as well. Don't know if you saw that. No. Um. What else have we got? We have Mel Torme. Uh, this is a great story. Four Hoopers leading the Irish Bar in Krakow after Rovers have beaten Odra Vodislaw in the Intertoto Cup. Hooper 1 says, What's your man? Like, stuck up the bleeding chimney. Hooper 2 says, Fucking gobshite. Hooper 3 says, I should have sprayed the tear gas up there. That'd fix that. See you next Tuesday. Uh, Hooper 4 said, Tear gas, yeah? Then Hooper 3 says, Yeah, I bought some earlier in the weapon shop. So Hoopers 1, 2, and 4 says, Do it. And unfortunately, there's no more conversation as Hooper Tree depresses the button on the spray can and the second he whips it out of his pocket, gasses his three companions. Our hero then charges into the bar with the can still going, gassing all the Rovers fans in there. These immediately start spewing into the street in every sense of the word. Uh, clearing the place, only two people in the booze weren't affected. The lad stuck up the chimney was grand uh, as his arse rather like, ironically prevented the gas from getting up there. <laughs> Well, John Bourne had gone for a Johnny Cash seconds before it all kicked off and emerged from the House of Wax. House of Wax. <laughs> to find an empty pub and a pair of legs sticking out of a chimney. <laughs> to chance of rovers. I'm loving all these these uh, these Europeans. Yeah, apparently this whole episode is on video somewhere. And uh, someone posted a picture of the chimney anyway. So that's our picture for this week's show sorted. Right, I'll tell the, you what. The legs down the chimney. This is a bit... Ra- no, we'll go for it. Anyone who can put that video up, they'll get a badge, right? Um, there's an incentive yeah I'm dying to see that now in an unrelated note someone posted a video of that Jason Maloney 
uh, bus trip back from Donegal. I thought it was quite dark. Singing about Rowan Catholics, (laughs) the shirt off, like a low budget King Kong. Someone described it as. He's the man. I forgot to mention last week. uh, He's flying from Cork, isn't he? There's a couple of hoops flying from Cork. I forgot to mention last week. One of the locals in Bally Buffet asked, "Why does he hate Roman Catholics so much?" (laughs) Did not. Yeah, <laughs> and one of one of Jason's mates said, "Oh, he's a devout Protestant." <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man. So you heard John Bourne mentioned there, and uh, John brings up the infamous chimney incident in European memory. So we're going to play that now. So here we go, John Bourne. Right, I'm here with John Bourne. We're going to talk European away trips. We're going to start with uh, 1986. I believe that was your first game against Celtic. One of the criticisms against the foreign role team was that they didn't do so well in Europe. But Celtic was the one that got kind of got away, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it, it, obviously huge disappointment after the, the home leg. We Robin should have won that night, and um, we were kind of looking at the second leg as more of a jolly than anything else. Just the experience of going over and seeing Rovers playing in Celtic Park. It was a great trip. Now, in fairness, an awful lot of drinking now. Uh, the Celtic fans here on I think it's called the London Bridge Road. I'm not terribly au fait with the place. Uh, Celtic supporters uh, bar, and jeez, uh, they were great hosts. I've only vague memories of it, you know. And the game itself was a bit of a non-event, really. Yeah, Celtic won comfortably, you know, and Rovers were down an awful lot of players. I was only on a day trip for that one. I remember meeting up with Robbie Foy in uh, Glasgow Airport, and we went. two of us just broke away from the, the rest of the gang. We went into town ourselves, and we ended up in this pub, and we didn't know, we didn't realise the time. It's actually a gay bar, you know? So it was the first time I was ever in the gay bar. I was in Glasgow. So the next one's then would be uh, 94 in Garnock, a worst ever defeat, and 98 against uh, Aldi Spar. Did you go to those ones? No, no, I hadn't, I hadn't a cent in the 90s. We were buying a house and things like that and having kids. So uh, going away at Rovers in Europe wasn't really an option. The next one I went to would have been um, Stockholm when we played Joe Garden. And I think that was a, a key trip uh, to a large extent for the fan base because... You know, the club was starting to go through trouble at the time. We could see that things were going wrong, and it was kind of the fans started talking amongst themselves and just sort of grouping, you know, organising themselves. You know, uh, it was a fantastic trip anyway. Uh, even despite we'd lost the first like three one, so we knew we were going to get out. Get we out. thought this was great for team bonding or well, bonding with the fans. The fans, yeah, the fans, yeah it's just it, it, it was first time that we did. I can't remember how many went over. It was a couple of hundred anyway, and it was. A lot of times when we were together, a good few of us went over for a few days. A uh, bunch of us now went to see Hammerby. It was the first time I saw Hammerby, and uh, that was a great experience. Then some of the Hammerby lads came to the Rovers game against Hugh Garden as well, and uh, yeah, we had a great old time. It's fantastic. In Poland, Audra, was the last time we won both legs. Yeah, I, that was a huge night for a lot of us because it was the first time for, for most of us, if not all of us, to actually see Rovers win away in Europe, and that, that was such a special special occasion I remember like you know at the end of the game you know large middle aged men hugging each other and crying you know it was brilliant uh, the whole thing about that game was you know when Rovers went 1-0 down we were all looking at each other and saying god the team had played so well no one's going to believe us when we got home and say no no we were really good and then, then uh, the two Stevens, Stephen Grant and uh, who's the other Stephen Tony Grant oh, Stephen Tony Grant. Grant it was the two Grants rather than the two yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, they got two late goals and the place was, we just went nuts it was brilliant yeah. and uh, it was a gas place because uh, just a small town I can't pronounce it Wadislaw or something like that and I remember the, we were all in, the, in the, the town square in the day of the game and I remember these, the local uh, ultras came up 
and we're looking for a certain individual, I won't mention any names, and you will come with us back to my place and we will show you videos. <laughs> and he brought him back, you know, he was thinking, what the hell is this? And he just wanted to show him videos, so here's us fighting against you know, whoever, you know. Yeah. I think Jason Mahoney mentioned last week, they don't even exist anymore, Audrey. Yeah, they're gone, you know, which is terrible, really, when you think about it, you know, but, uh, and apparently that's, that, that's regarded as a Polish football's worst result in Europe. That's a, another honour for the hoops. And uh, well, actually, the probably weirdest instance ever uh, a European away trip was, was uh, in Poland. I remember we were in this bar, and again, no names, uh, a certain individual let, let off uh, CS gas canister in the pub. Now, well, well, that was happening, I was actually in the jacks. So I, I left the crowded bar and came back two minutes later, and the bar was deserted. Yeah. Except for one individual again who remained remain nameless. And he was I think Rose have just scored. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he was stuck up a chimney. There's a chimney in the bar. Yeah. So this is a bizarre thing where it came out and the pub's deserted except for this arse sticking out of a fireplace. Very strange. Do you want to carry on? Hmm? Do you want to carry on? Well, I, I've no problem carrying okay. on. And uh, another big away win for Rovers was uh, Israel, Benai Yehuda. I think, believe you uh, travelled alone to that one, was it? Yeah, uh, originally I wasn't going to go. And then my son, Stephen, decided that he was going. And the missus then suddenly gave me permission to travel. So it was, it was quite late in the day in terms of getting flights. Uh, but I was lucky enough, I got, uh, flew to Paris and flew direct from there to Tel Aviv. And it was amazing arriving there at 10 o'clock at night on my own, you know, sort of, wow. <laughs> We're in Israel, you know, and um, remember meeting up with the lads then down the storage pub, and uh, go down. A good night was had, as they say, you know. Uh, but again, the great thing about that trip was seeing Rovers win the way in Europe, and not only in, it wasn't even in Europe, the Middle East, you know. <laughs> but uh, that was it was an experience going somewhere like that, you know, because you know normally you wouldn't think of going to Tel Aviv for a holiday, for example, but you know if Rovers are playing there, we give it a go. And uh, it was a weird experience, very strange place. Uh, you felt like everybody was carrying a gun, you know. And even the beach, they, they had all the, these uh, things to keep landmines away from, from the beachhead. And they had all these turrets along the beach. It, was, it, was like, it, was like a, it looked like some kind of prison camp. Bizarre. Of course, it was an incentive of uh, Juventus then. Then we had the biblical reign in Modena. Well, yeah, but the thing about the, the Juventus game actually started in Tel Aviv because that night everybody was going right we need to organise flights here you know and uh, I remember saying to myself right I'm not going to drink tonight I'm going to number one I'm going to really take in the whole atmosphere of Rovers winning away in Europe and also get flights organised for the away leg um, we obviously weren't expecting to beat Juventus uh, but I thought we put up a good show in Tala gave us some hope of gone over and uh, you know giving a good show of ourselves over in, in, in where we thought it was going to be Turin then they got moved to Modena because you two were playing yeah. oddly enough you know, what, a, what a coincidence that was but um, the best goal you've seen live um, no no I've seen a few crackers in my day you know Patborn free kicks and what have you you know Mick Neville specials uh, but it was an exceptional goal and it was it's kind of weird like Rob was lost and we were kind of like happy with ourselves because we put up a really good display against Juve and the only difference between the teams was uh, an amazing goal from Bashup or whatever his name was Del Pierre indeed
So in 2011, we had uh, the Champions League, we had Tallinn and Copenhagen. Yeah, that was obviously 2011 was a very special year. Uh, we just about sneaked the home leg against um, what are they called? Flora Tallinn. Flora Tallinn. And uh, but uh, we put up a. It was a very professional performance over there, nil all draw. But um, it was a nice town. The old town was very picturesque, and uh, we took over the square. The usual sort of carry on, you know, lots of drunkenness and what have you. Yeah, but um, then we Copenhagen, which was a major step up. Then you know, and it was really good. They were a really good side. Uh, lovely town as well, Copenhagen. And uh, Rovers were superb that night. We went down. We lost the goal after it. It was only three or four minutes, um, but the lads were superb. Um, very proud of them that night. Unfortunately, when we got them back in Tallaght, then they, they just rolled us over pretty handy, you know. But uh, we knew that there was still at least one more game to come and uh, against Partizan. Unfortunately, you know, I was hoping for it. There was a, supposed to be a charter, but that fell through on the Sunday before the game. And I remember sitting in the kitchen looking at the on a computer to see if I could get flights over to Belgrade and the prices were just uh, I remember thinking I can't even justify it to myself I don't mind trying to get through the wife you know you weren't one of the famous 43 no 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 uh, we were down down the rings end that night in a pub and uh, well it was especially Euro away trip I was never on you know yeah. in fairness that's to me was probably the greatest night in Robert's history in my lifetime it was just remarkable I'll never forget that night because again I once the game was over, I said to myself, right, I'm not drinking, I want to soak up the atmosphere rather than soak up a few points, you know. And uh, like just the, the thoughts that were going through our heads, like you know, we're always boldly going where no club, Irish club had gone before. And um, obviously looking forward into the draw to see who got the group stages. The group stages, we had uh, trips to Kazan, Boyart Lane and uh, Pelk in Greece. And uh, you met the Pelk Ultras beforehand. Yeah, that's right. Well, I, after missing out in Belgrade, I, I then explained to my wife, this, I said, this is why I want to go to all these games, because you never know what's going to happen. And so I said, right, I'm going to go to all three away games. And uh, Pope was particularly interesting, because uh, we were in a bar the night before the game, just having a few quiet drinks. And uh, these drinks got sent over to us. And we couldn't go, like, what's this all about? And the barman pointed, oh, those guys over there sent over the drinks, you know. And then one of them came over, explained, you know, you know, we're the head of the ultras at Pauk, you know, and they, they want to know, you know, how much uh, Rovers fans cost the club in terms of fines because of flares and all that, you know, we, we're going, we're not sure, you know, wouldn't be, you know, 1,500 quid or something, you know, grand here and there, and uh, they were saying, yeah, yeah, last year the club had to pay a million euros in fines, and they were boasting about it, you know, they thought that was great. Um, that would put us out of business. Yeah, exactly. We were pointing out, you know, that's that's basically your annual turnover. And um, actually, oddly enough, because because of the situation in Greece at the time, um, we ended up flying back through Rome. And uh, we were having we had a few hours to spare between flights, and we ended up having lunch in the centre of Rome. And uh, one of the waiters came up to us. So we were all waiting, like football colours, shorts and what have you. You know, you guys, like football fans, whatever, you know, and we explained, you know, about Shamrock Rovers, we were over playing Pope. And, uh, of course, the Italians, being big football fans, they want to know all about Rovers, you know, and, uh, you know, how much, what's your annual budget, you know, and we were going, oh, about a million euros, maybe, you know, one and a half, maybe. And uh, the waiter went in and got all the staff kitchen staff out and it's, these guys have, their club wouldn't buy a decent fullback, you know 
and uh, they were they thought it was amazing that we were playing in the group stages. You know, you go back to Dublin and no one gives a shit. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was an experience. I think the big thing about Pope was their fans were just amazing. Yeah, incredible atmosphere. Yeah, when they came to Tala, probably the best away fans I've seen in Tala. Yeah, they were amazing, and it, it, it was so organised. It was it's very kind of like South American. You know, the way they, they had this guy on the pitch banging a drum, and they were, you know, call and response thing and all. It was, it was incredible, you know. And you're you looking at that, you, so, you know, people in Greece aren't going around supporting Man United and Arsenal. You know, they're supporting their own teams. So what about Iceland? Are you looking forward to that? Iceland? Uh, it's a tricky one, you know. Um, last few years we haven't done well in Europe, really. Uh, OK, it was nice to beat the, uh, the Luxembourg team, but that would have been expected, really. Um, Hopefully now the lads can get something out of the first leg and, and keep the tie alive. I, I, we're certainly capable of, of doing something. I think the, the main thing is to try and keep the tie at the back because we just can't afford to be as generous as we have been in the league here. You know, it's they'll be well organised. Some really good stories there from John. I love the way uh, opposition fans come to us and, and want to talk about the club and things like that. So those stories really are really cool now for me. Yeah, I remember that from Tata time talking about uh, meeting the Italians. And we're describing to them what our budget is, and they're laughing. It's like someone's wages, yeah, like kit man's wages. So then we had another fantastic story here. This is front runner, I reckon, for the for the the winner of the of the ticket. Um, you have Alan Kyo, aka Forky. He says, "I was going to say the whole hyper getting stuck up the chimney and the CS gas thing in Krakow, but the hoops were to take things up a notch two weeks later in Liberich after the game in the late night casino." A certain Hooper fell asleep at the bar and two boards allegedly ran up a tab in his name and we went to leave the bouncer, started demanding money and was told where to go. But he managed to lock the two of us in the casino and the rest outside. The lads went off to get the police and when they arrived, they went inside to talk to the bouncer who was off his nut on something and tried to attack the police and one of the cops whips out a gun and shoots him and then they all legged it. Yeah, Jason Maloney says, as far-fetched as this story from Forky sounds, it actually happened. We were outside and we heard the gunshot go off. We hadn't a clue what had gone on until Leighton Doyle came out smiling. Yeah, so Leighton Doyle uh, says he'll never forget it. It, was, it wasn't it was a casino, it was just a local bar. So I'm loving the way people are clearing up all the stories because it was, it was quite hazy. Yeah. Uh, a couple of locals thought they'd take the piss out of a bottler by charging their drinks onto his tab. So as mentioned, when we tried to leave without paying, it got a bit hairy. A few slaps were thrown. I decided to try to be the peacemaker with the bouncer slash barman. Little did I know he locked us inside. Forky had the notion what was going on as he was talking shite down the air to shite down the end of the bar to some geeks, which is uh, just Forky all over, isn't it? Don't do use of the word geeks there. <laughs> Thankfully, one of our lads had a little Russian uh, who Forky says was him, so he could tell the cops our predicament. In they came and. As Forky rightly says, your man went all Bruce Lee and starts taking on the coppers. One of them drew his gun and shot into the seal. Enough was enough, and we got out of there sharpish. I wouldn't say I was smiling either, as Fergus found out when I kicked him in the balls that he was the fourth in line <laughs> on my exit. So apologies to Fergus, but I was bullying. And a mad trip altogether. That was Leighton Doyle's quote. So Fergus is now uh, in Washington, I believe. Oh, Washington, working, Washington yeah. Whips. Washington, Washington Whips. Uh, we have Mark Turner. It says he's so many great memories supporting rollers around Europe, but one of the best has to be Juventus at half time. There's a great video of that as well. What a moment bounced around with a mad bunch of hoopers. Pure mayhem. 
and Mark Welch being left behind at the airport in Italy by six coach loads of ever so slightly inebriated Irishmen despite being the only one permanently sitting down it must take some beating <laughs> Paddy Kilmartin uh, Talon was a great trip got the result good weather cheap nice city big turnout and seemed like everybody was based there very hazy memories of that 24 hour Depeche Mode bar Eddie Mack joining in a Harry Krishna parade and Jason Maloney borrowing some bemused local segue in the, in the, in the square <laughs> Jason Maloney and Driven does not seem to go well together I'd say and uh, Dan Fulham with a late entry here he says Rovers fans singing Shamrock Rovers champions and uh, Harry Krishna is joining in on the beat and Talon Everyone was cracking up laughing. Yeah, it's a, it's a good video of that, isn't it? Surprised no one mentioned the Simo death match in Talon as well. Yeah. I won't mention names. Won't name names for that. But uh, it's a sight to see, isn't it? Then we've Jerry Fitzgerald with the police escort in Belgrade for about 10 of us going for a ramble around the town the morning of the game. They got fed up after a few hours of protecting us in 40 degree heat, so just went for a beer before the madness that was to come later that night in the pitch. Uh, we have Paul O'Dwyer. I think a resident on the Gary Twig bus. Cool. Yeah, we met him with um, Carl Kearns. Uh, he has to be beaten partisan Belgrade, or beaten partisan of Belgrade, still alive after the toy, after McCabe's unreal goal and Talat, one of my favourite overs goals. The sheer delirium when Pat Sullivan cracked in that third yard volley will go down as the best ever. And our good friend Alan Murphy, he mentioned that McCabe goal. He said McCabe setting the foundations for something great. By walking past Partizan's back four and Tata. Yeah, what a goal. It really was. A, a and, uh, goal. And Tony Orr said, The hotel rep in Belgrade, a Red Star fan, jumping and cheering when we got back after the match. Yeah, I'd say that was a sight. And we have Killian Fitzmaurice, and he said he's been on two Rovers European trips. Uh, Juventus Spores, he was only 9 and 10 at the time. And it was still some crack weather in the sun in the square in Medina, uh, or Modena are in the lashing rain in the stadium, are taking over Covent Garden, are celebrating Royce's goal, some great memories and hopefully many more to come. I mean, I love I love hearing these stories. It really brings you back, doesn't it? So many to choose from. Juventus and Spurs, obviously. Ah, oh, there's so many. And they're all Memorable. just good memories, you know. you got Dean Sharkey, Green and White Hart Lane was unreal, shouting ACAB in the copper's face in Lithuania was nearly, uh, it was funny, but nearly got arrested and one of the countless players pulled them away. So there you go. Yeah, probably not too many people are going to mention uh, Kranis because obviously a disaster of a result. But. Uh, what else we got? We have Lee Barnwall, uh, our resident... We could call him our resident poet, couldn't we? <laughs> WB Barnwall. Um, as a young father of too many kids, uh, joined the club, uh, Lee. I haven't had the currency to travel to the continent full of rovers like many hoops have, but Boy Heart Lane was a trip I was never going to miss. I went on the Ultras bus. We two buses running, in fact. Our planned route was Tallis Stadium to Dublin Port. Ferry to Hollyhead and the long drive all the way to London before returning to home on the same route straight after the match. So that meant one thing and one thing only, an abundance of time to gargle. Now, bear with me on this one. It's a, it's a great story. So, Never want to leave the alcohol flow to chance. I stocked up with 32 cans of Dutch cold. And we said, say, with all the optimism and enthusiasm a European trip should entail. We were off to an absolute flyer when we realised there was a jacks on the bus. Not something we'd be accustomed to travelling around Ireland following rovers. But what could possibly go wrong? Well, by the time we arrived at Dublin Port to depart Dublin, the jacks was out of order. And so are many of the Hooperazzi on board. <laughs> uh, we drank through the night and all through the morning until we arrived in London. A drunken bunch of Republicans. Yep, there wasn't a political bone on the bus leaving Dublin. But by the time we got to London, we had transformed into the provisional IRA. <laughs> Rebel songs being belted out on the bus all the way through London. Never underestimate the political power of drink. 
if we transformed into the IRA that morning, London definitely got transformed into a country with a Mediterranean climate as the weather was glorious for the tails and the hoops that loitered Covent Garden for the day. It was amazing to see so many hoops taken out of the city and the real magic was yet to come. As a kid following rollers in stadiums like Talca and Richmond, not to mention the Oriel Parks and Carlisle Grounds of the country, I couldn't have imagined in my wildest fantasies, fantasies what we experienced that night in White Hart Lane. 4,000 Rovers fans in a beautiful sold-out Premier League stadium against one of the best teams in England in the Europa League. I mean, it was un- it was unbelievable. And when Royce had scored that goal to put us one in up, I couldn't hold back the tears. The gallons of Dutch goal consumed played their part, no doubt, but it really was a climax of your wildest Shamrock Rovers fantasies come to life. The impossible had become reality and thank God such a wonderful moment happened in my era following the hoops. It's a great one, isn't it? Yeah, it's fantastic stuff. And I'm the same. If you'd ask me to send in what's my standout memory as a hoops fan, it's that. It's that goal in Whitehart Lane and the noise and people going nuts. The video itself is just brilliant, man. It's, you watch it over and over. The fans, I've, it's hypnotic watching the I've fans. never experienced anything like it and probably won't again. Oh, you never know. You never know. Uh, we have Declan Carlsroy Hoops Swanton sorry for pronouncing your name wrong we know you're a stickler Declan uh, Swanton 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 bomb <laughs> don't uh, don't think anything happened at all in Luxembourg what the fuck are you supposed to do with 40 degrees heat apart from crawling to a bar and slowly melt <laughs> pretty quotable isn't he apparently something did happen to Kenny Barrett in Luxembourg but he won't tell us yeah we're going to have to get Kenny to spill the beans I mean you're doing an appearance on the show soon Kenny maybe a spot in the coveted Stonecutters-esque monthly madness club we'll get you in and uh, you can spill the beans then so who has won our prize <laughs> to a ticket to the Starnan game uh, who told the best story looks like it's come down to Forky Lee or Mel Tomé which I'm guessing is a screen name well it's allegedly just a screen name well Carl what are you saying how do we know he's not Mel Tomei? Yeah, so good point in that case. I mean, we f- we feel some people could be harshly done, boy, but uh, I think Forky is going to win. Considering he was given out about having to pay for car tax and windows, we'll give him the ticket to the game. And a free Tales from the East End badge for our runners-up, Lee and Mel. So uh, if you're on the plane, lads, just come and see us. And we'll, we know we know who Lee... Actually, we know who the two lads are ourselves, so we know who everybody is, so we'll come and get you. And I won't be dressed the way you described. <laughs> Carl will be wearing the fishnet stockings. <laughs> Bags of makeup. Uh, so um, up next, we have the best stats Icelandic kroner can buy. Uh, we want to say thanks for all the feedback as well especially people who uh, came to us and bought badges and told us to keep up the show and keep doing it I mean lads it won't, it won't be ending anytime soon that's being honest I mean me and Carl sit here and talk show you all week so uh, you're stuck with us for the foreseeable future so um, in particular yeah. the, there was a couple of people very complimentary to stats Carl so one fella said that I, I told him that we weren't sure if people were going to listen to two hours the Monty Madness and mm. he said I'd listen to Rose for ten hours <laughs> so that was uh, that was one of Kenny Barrett's mates actually two Cel- two two lads who were quite interested in Celtic so good lads I think they know who they are yeah it was nice the way people came up to and said they they liked the show so yeah no and really really uh, really happy with the feedback so uh, thanks for all the support lads we really do appreciate it and do you know who loves my stats as well who loves your stats Carl on Facebook Magic Zagallo oh Magic Zagallo yeah Polish lad isn't he he's the only person who actually asks for the stats before they're posted he says where are the stats shout out to Magic Zagallo are we pronouncing that so, right I don't know so <laughs> the man likes the stats 
Uh, so here we go. The stats are next. Rovers haven't failed to score in any of their last 19 competitive games. So we're scoring goals. And the Hoops haven't drawn away from home since September in Derry. Uh, this is Rovers' 26th appearance in European competition, equaling Bowles' record. So since Belgrade in 2011, the Hoops have won one out of 14 European games, six in the group stages, and a 3-0 victory at home to progress neither corn in 2015. In their last eight away trips, Serbia, England, Greece, Russia, Lithuania, Luxembourg, Norway and Finland, Rovers scored a goal in all but the 0-0 draw in Luxembourg. Mm, in the 30-something degrees. Yeah, well, people were melting. Roman Finn and Kieran, I'm average at everything except being a ball boy killed off. I have made more <laughs> European groups appearances than any other League of Ireland player. It's 11. Uh, Finn is set to make his 30th appearance. 14 for Rovers, placed him 7th in the league's all-time list. Uh... The next highest in our squad is Darren Meenan with 12, but neither player has ever scored in Europe. And that list, uh, we'll start with the top. We'll go top five, will we? Yeah, number one is Oli Cattle with 41. Yeah, 41 appearances in Europe. Then we've 37. With, or Owen Heary has 37. And so does Dan Murray. Dan Murray is 37 as well. We have Stewie Bourne with 36. 33 for Gary Rogers, Dundalk keeper. And we've Mick Smith with 32. Former hoops keeper, yeah. And Glenn Crow. With 29, and then Ronan Finn with 29. So that's the. So Finn will overtake Crow there mm-hmm. on 30. The all time list. And in fact, the only player in the current Rovers team to have scored a European goal in his career is Dave Webster. So Webby uh, scored against Progress, neither Corn, and he was on the bench for both legs against Rops, Rovanimi last year, while Lukey Bourne was injured, recovering from that cruciate injury. So the cruciate conqueror, the cruciate killer, Lukey Bourne. <laughs> Uh, Ronan Finn played in all 12 games in Dundalk's European campaign last season and Darren Mean and Michael O'Connor AJ Dean made only one appearance each I'm, I'm surprised I'm surprised only one appearance each mm. and subs- uh, substitutes away to Ligue uh, Warsaw in the Champions League so Trevor Clark in Finland and Ryan Connolly for Sligo at home to Spartak Trnava in the 2012 Europa League have only made one appearance each in Europe uh, Tomer Henczynski can they please start pronouncing his name right who got it wrong again? Soccer Republic. Every time. Henchinski. There's like seven different ways you can say it. Chinsinski. Chinsinski. It's... Just get it right, lads. It's not hard, you know what I mean? So Tom Henchinski had helped Rops qualify in 2015 and his... Do you know what? I can't say anything about pronunciation. Why am I taking the piss out of people? I can't say that. So Tom Henchinski had helped Rops qualify in 2015 as Maccabi Tel Aviv side reached the group stage of 2013-14 Europa League, losing to Baal in the round of 32. But he uh, has never played a European game in his career. Really? Mm-hmm. That's a stat. So that, that cherry will be popped on Thursday. Roberto Lopez, Dave McAllister, Sam Bone, Paul Curry, Graham Brook, James Doona and Aaron Bulger have never made a European appearance either. So a uh, couple of cherries being popped. Potential debuts there. Yeah, um, I'd say, yeah, there's a good few who'll get debuts there. We, uh, we'll we talk with the team later, but he might play McAllister. McAllister's definitely And Colony in the same team here. Yeah, we were talking about this last night with Anto Matthews and Work, and uh, we're talking Conservative, so we'll move on to that in a while. Rovers' last two European opponents, Oz BK and Rops Rovanimi, had never won the league. Starnan had won it once in 2014, and they were runners up in 2016. So in 2014, Starnan beat Bangor City, Motherwell and Lech Poznan before losing to Inter Milan in the playoff round in the Europa League. Their ground was filled to capacity, a thousand, which isn't much, but uh, still they filled it when Celtic travelled over for a Champions League toy a year later. So we have Iceland, who are 35th in the UEFA rankings, six places above Ireland. 
League of Ireland clubs have won seven and lost three European ties with Icelandic clubs in ten visits to Ireland. Rovers, 1982 and Cork, 2007 are the only teams to win. Interestingly, we've won on away goals three times. Three times in Iceland? Yeah. Oh, good stuff. Uh, Rovers' biggest European win, 4-0 at Milltown, an aggregate win, 7-0, was against Fram Reykjavik in that 1982 UEFA Cup. It's the last time a Hoos player scored in both legs of a European tie, Tommy Gaynor. So, once again, anyone who is there, please come out of woodwork and let us know. He's green, he's white, he knows that balls are shite. Lukey Bourne played in balls 5-1 defeat to Icelandic second-tier sh- side, side? <laughs> side uh, Thor. In 2012, Roberto Lopez was on the bench. Stephen Bradley played in both legs of St. Pat's tie with IBV. Another team from Iceland. That was the team that they had to get a ferry to, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. In the middle of nowhere, yeah, I'm nearly sure. And uh, I think they're, well, they're only fan, that one, that one guy who travelled. They played them twice. IBV? Yeah. It was two years in a row, was it? Yeah. I, yeah, I'm nearly sure that uh, they had to get, well, the one fan that travelled had to get a bow. So Bradley played in that 2011 tie. We had Bradley's first game in management was a European away game against Robs 357 days ago. And uh, so we're going to move on now to our starting 11 and predictions. It's a very tough team to pick this week. I mean, if form goes out the window. And I mean, how do you approach this? You know, do you attack? Do you go conservative? And, but I'm going to go with the usual back four. You may think I'm crazy now, but... Uh, I'm going to go the usual back four. Uh, Brando and Trevor wide. I'm going to go McAllister and Finn. Now, Connolly may have didn't play extremely well against Strahada, but it could be harsh on dropping him. But I think I think we need that bit of boy. I think McAllister will provide that. He gets stuck in. And I think that when we're winning, I'm confident, I'm going to bring on Connolly to keep possession and maybe take a striker off. So I'm going to go with Shaw's Yon O'Connor up front. A ball 4-4-2 with a 2-1 win. And the hoops to take over the city of Roy Givik. Okay, my team, same back four. I'm going to play McAllister instead of Conley. Okay. And a bit of a controversial one, but I'm going to say Graham Burke up front. Oh, hello. Yep. Graham Burke up front. Well, with Gary Shaw. Ah. Because, to as I mentioned earlier... From that crazy yeah. sending off. As I mentioned earlier, Mr. Gunnarsson has not seen him. So they won't be expecting his flair and his flamboyance. Mm, and uh, what better way to do it with an away goal? Yeah, no, I have a good feeling about this game. Uh, I'm thinking 2-1 as well so oh, that's my lovely, prediction lovely we'll have to get the odds on that uh, what else have we got we're 7-4 to the bookies at the moment as well so we're thinking about bringing in uh, a tipster corner soon enough so watch out for that we're going to be giving tips which I wouldn't recommend taking <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a double dose of stats this week so you're the luckiest fans in the world we have the game in Sligo that was moved to Sunday so we're going to talk about that as well uh, before us, we're going to air an interview we did with Cliftonville fan Nolan Devlin and Rovers fan a few weeks ago and it has some relevance for Sunday's match as their manager, Jared Little, recently left the club to take the job at Sligo. So here we have Nolan. Um, I'm here with Nolan Devlin and uh, we're having a point in the margin just before the Pats and Rovers game and Nolan's travelled down from Belfast with his friend Stillian and we're talking about the Rovers-Cliftonville connection today. So we're going to talk about your season first of all, uh, Nolan. Fifth place finish... Lost in the Europa League semi-final in an eight-goal thriller to Glenavon. Uh, what are your thoughts on the season? I think generally it was disappointing. Um, things just didn't really work out for Jared Little for various reasons. Um, I could go into them if you want. Um, yeah, go ahead. That's what we want. Well, these are only really my opinions, but there was a lot. Sligo boss, of course. Well, he's away to Sligo, but he sort of left us on bad terms. He 
tried to sort of say that the fans weren't with him the last couple of games and that sort of thing and making excuses rather than focusing on his you know performance and the rather than facing the music really I just sort of didn't, did an interview with the Irish News around about the time he was leaving and it just left a bad taste in the mouth but there's various reasons I think the season was disappointing um, well we had, we had a lot of injuries I know people use injuries but we did have a lot of injuries Ryan Catney broke his leg and a it's a legitimate reason though let's be honest well it is legitimate but there was on the, off the field sort of indiscipline as well as on the, on the pitch uh, with a lot of red cards and Jason McGuinness he, he, he came to the club but he got suspended I think two or three times yeah we're not supposed to that one we're familiar with Big J well that's why I'm mentioning him to start with and Davy McDade he, he seemed to have a bit of a discipline problem at times he got him with a few goals, though, didn't he? Well, he did. He, a lot of the fans didn't really uh, see the, you know, the strength in his game, but he did get a lot of goals. And when he left in January, it left a big hole to replace. So we were sort of a bit toothless. But um, sort of, Joe Little was a coach when we were successful and we were winning titles back to back. And then he he came on as manager, and I think he found out quickly that it's one thing being a coach, but a manager's big big difference you we know. found out our st- ourselves the hard way with Trevor Crowley so we, we know how you feel we're in the same uh, boat in that sense Joe Little he's a nice fella and I mean that genuinely but I think he was too nice to sort of some of the players he was too close to them and you know manager has to be you know put their arm around the players the cliche goes when they need to but they have to be sort of firm and disciplined as well and um, it was off the field and discipline and then sort of red miss moments on the pitch yeah, as well yeah. that cost us um, we shot ourselves in the foot a wee bit off the pitch that Linfield couldn't do in 100 years. You know, we yeah. sort of did ourselves in a couple of seasons, but um, we're optimistic. The new manager's in there now, Barry Gray, and he's outside of football. He's a successful businessman. He owns a architect company, so you know you don't get to that sort of. Uh, he has something about him anyway. Nice. Former Warren Point manager was he? Well, he did very well at Warren Point on basically no budget. So he knows football and. He will be more disciplined and he'll be very organised. And um, Just to get behind him is pretty much it. Well, some people wanted a big name manager, but I sort of knew he was he's a good man to start yeah, with. And yeah. he's got the pedigree, albeit at Warren Point, but you know, he's, he brought uh, Harry Fay, I think he's ex-Warren Point as well, and Stephen Small used to play for us as one of the coaches now. So he's got good support behind him and... Most of the fans now are won over. Basically, they'll they'll give him a chance and see see how it happens, you know. And the return of uh, Joe Gormley, you must be happy with that. Ah, uh, well, I'm, I'm delighted, but I just have a bit of a concern that his knee, you know, he's he's recovered, but he hasn't played a lot of football in a while, and he could be maybe carrying his knee a wee bit until he gets a few games under his belt and stuff. But he'll have to hit the ground running. There'll be a lot of pressure on him, but he doesn't play as a lone striker. He'll need somebody with him helping him. It's not for Ask him to play up front by himself. Yeah, true, it's true. Not a style of game. So, what would you, uh, what would your hopes for next season? What's a realistic target for next season? I'd say maybe second or third, but we'll need to start well. Um, we didn't actually start too badly last season, up until close to Christmas, where we're, you know, we're a few points off the top. But four uh, 0 on St Stephen's Day against Crusaders was a disaster. You know, our North Belfast derby. But um, if I mention Crusaders again, we were winning three 0 at Seaview in uh, I think it was maybe January or February no sorry it was actually October it was before Christmas winning 3-0 with 15 minutes or so to go and we lost 4-3 so I think psychologically that affected a lot of the players you know we have young players 18, 19, 20 and like that would 
anybody, even a senior player, that would be hard to take. So, yeah, 15-20 uh, minutes, it was ridiculous really, but the goalkeeping problem has been a major concern for us. We've, yeah. We had a big keeper, he's still on the books, Jason Mooney, he's 6 foot 6, 6 foot 7 and he's, you know, he doesn't command the box the way a player yeah. that size should. Uh, he's basically coming for balls and dropping them and and 10 minutes later he's still thinking about the ball he's dropped you know he's he doesn't move on and you know kicking we balls. know a lot about individual errors ourselves this season so it's just very frustrating nobody goes out to have a bad game but a goalkeeper is exposed if he does make a mistake and yeah um, so we're going to talk about uh, how you got interested in rovers and where, where what are the origins of the rovers cliftonville connection can you tell us anything about that well, I have my ideas about the connection, but I'll talk about how I started yeah. Sporting Rovers, if I can remember. Um, it was maybe 12 years or so ago. I think it was in an Ireland away trip, and I just bumped into a crowd of Rovers fans. Or they're not the sort of boys that sit in the corner and read newspaper. You know, they were making a bit of, bit of noise, and I noticed the badge and the flags, and obviously the green white hoops, and I knew there was yeah. a connection there. Like I'd obviously heard of Rovers before, but hadn't been down to a game or even met any fans. So. I think I just suggested I should come down and I did and you know they knew about the connection between the two clubs and um, the first game was one of the early games in Tala here so I didn't wasn't at your old stadium in Milltown yeah, there yeah. so um, it's just it's great friendship you know football's only part of it it's um, if Rovers play well you're happy obviously but if they don't you know you're meeting your mates and it's all the crack as well. Um, we went up, you know, the first time I experienced it, I went up to Solitude and it was 4 0 to Linfield at half time. I think it was, it could have been 2009, 2010, and the, 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 it straight away we were looked after. Went into the social, saw the Brothers badges, points were bar for Swallies, the lot, and we were looked after really well. And that was a couple of lads who I started going to the games with, and I said, you know, this is, it's nice to be treated like that. I mean, it's, Football friends, as they say, but it was it was it was a, a really nice thing. Well, there's another cliche. People say the football family and a family yeah. club and all the rest. We're both. There's a football family there, and anybody comes in, and they're they've made the effort to come to Solitude. They're welcome, and you know, like you say, there's drinks bought, and they come back regularly after that. It's not just one off. They get the love for it. And um, Jason Maloney, he'd be well known to yourself. Yeah, we have Jason, our first in studio guest on Sunday. This coming Sunday, so that should be interesting. He gets around there, Jason. I only discovered it there a couple of weeks ago. Somebody actually printed off the page in the Leeds programme for me that he did a feature on me and the flag. I have North men, South men, comrades, yeah, all the yeah. two Cliftonville and Rovers badges and on the flag. So he did a story about that. It was a nice surprise. You know, he didn't tell me he was doing it. But Jason will be down regularly in the off-season, you know, when Rovers aren't playing and we are, yeah, and yeah. vice versa. You know, I'm down okay. today. Just but Carl Seal and... Uh, uh, Sean Finnegan, they're big fans. They would come down quite a lot as well. Used to, they try to get the last hour coach home, but they usually end up staying or walking about the city centre of Belfast at three in the morning. But you know, I uh, Kevin McCormick, he's over in Copenhagen now, but he's he's one of the he's one of the sort of ones I remember. Maybe 2003, 2004, he came down. Um, I was going to start about how maybe the origin of the friendship started up. Okay. If I can, this is just, just my idea, but it was maybe 1984 when we played the famous match against Glasgow Celtic, and there was actually a riot. The match was abandoned. Right. But I've been speaking to people, and they said there was a couple of busloads of uh, you know, Rovers fans come down that day. So maybe they just, you know, we casual riot and a couple <laughs> of pints, and they got the idea from there. But um, 
I'm not allowed to mention this word bows, but I, th- I will anyway. I think we used to play them maybe even every summer. I think it might have been a friendly. So maybe, like I said to you earlier, my friend with me here, Stillian, he started supporting us because we played their rival. Oh, so right. maybe, maybe and some Stillian, rovers. Stillian, you had been. This is Stillian now. Uh, Stillian, you had been living in Belfast, and you just took up and said, "I'll go with Cliftonville. They're playing against our rivals." You follow? Who do you follow in Bulgaria? My team actually doesn't exist at the moment. We're against the owners. So, uh, well, there's a club, but Spartak Varna called, but uh, we actually do not support the owners. So we're against their uh, the way they, they roll the club. So we're making a protest. We we're just going and and uh, making petitions and all that. And but because of the their power, we just, just you just don't agree with what they're doing and. You're trying to take a stand against them. Yeah, well, well we're standing all right against them and we'll fight until the end. Yeah, so uh, I went. My first Cliftonville match was against uh, CSK <laughs> Sofia, so I actually don't like them from back home, you see. And uh, I actually was put with the West supporters because they thought maybe I'm a, I will probably support yeah, yeah, yeah. CSK Sofia, and I start uh, kind of a. Uh, kind of a, like uh, we slobber, let me say, and um, they put me away. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how the love affair started, anyway. And uh, where we have Gary Twig, the Rovers legend, with us as a guest today. Uh, have you seen much of him now? I know he's been plagued with injuries, but have you seen much of him? What do you think of him when he's played against the Reds? Well, I remember the first time, I think it was actually away, at Chamark Park, Porter Downs ground, um, and some Rovers fans obviously come up for that, just because mm-hmm. it had only been a few months since he left, yeah. left us. So the wounds were still sore. Ah, uh, well, they were, you know, the whole of them has team, and rightly so, and they just wanted to see how he would do on a different pitch and different opposition. Um, he has had a lot of injuries, like you say, but, you know, he's always dangerous. Um, he's obviously older now, everybody is, but... I think we were talking, I was speaking to my friend earlier, and we're not sure if he's still at Portadown, but he didn't really get a consistent run in the team to be able to... He's with Coleraine now, I'm not too sure how, how it works out, but he did leave and he went to Coleraine, wasn't he? I think you're right there, Portadown got relegated, so he was obviously he's too good for the second division up north, so uh, I think he is at Coleraine, and it'll be interesting to see how he does. They have a very good manager there, on Kearney, so um, they actually finished above us this year, because we sort of went into free fall after Christmas but um, it'll be good to see him again and you know have a pint with him after the match and have you ever been to a Rovers Cliftonville game yourself I was thinking again on the journey down here to Tala today um, it probably was the Tanta Cup at Solitude and in Tala um, I can't even remember the scores but I know it was close enough until late on yeah. um, so obviously there's the friendship there you know I was Cliftonville first and Rovers second but um, the Cup sort of lost a bit of prestige early on. It was, you know, all Ireland competition. It still is, but you were going to Cork and Sligo, and you know, we made a real two or three day bender out of it. You know, you yeah, were, you were. It was a novelty. Yeah, death but in the end, though, didn't it? It was a good idea, but sadly, it wasn't to be. Just wasn't really thought through. But um, I think it's still on its last legs. It's still sort of hanging in there. But um, it's good to get around different grounds all over the country. You know, I yeah. follow the national team as well, so. Next trip's Georgia away, so we're looking forward to that. Yeah, two, away. two tough games, well, two games the next two Sundays coming up, one friendly, one Austria, but uh, Georgia's a big match. We need to really 
beat Austria first at home. You should be beating everybody, but um, maybe a draw in Georgia away and hopefully going to going to Wales, something to yeah. play for first or second, hopefully. And finally, you're a lover of fries. I noticed on your Facebook that you're a big critic. Um, we are sponsored by Peachtree East, and they have an artisan fry. Have you tried it yet? And would you be interested in something different like that? Uh, if you can make a complimentary voucher, I'll definitely try it. But uh, <laughs> it'd be an Irish breakfast down here up north. It'd be an Ulster fry, or as Jason Maloney says, six county occupied fry. <laughs> but uh, I'll definitely try it. It's just sometimes I don't like beans contaminating the, the, <laughs> the plate. There's, there's tactics involved, isn't there? Yeah, nice soda bread and potato bread, good thick bacon and that sort of thing. But uh, there's good fries and bad fries, but I'll definitely try your sponsors and see how it get on. Yeah, that was Nolan, uh, lover of fries and uh, all things Rovers and Cliftonville. It's sound guy and his friend Stillian, who's uh, a, a Reds fan as well. So two good lads and welcome down at Rovers anytime. Yeah, interesting to hear how this season went on. I know we were looking to do that for Rama as well, weren't we? Yeah, yeah, which it's uh, it's not looking good at the moment. <laughs> I can't seem to get in touch with Guido DeVito, our resident Rama fan in Rome. So uh, Should have asked John Byrne while I had him. Yeah, jeez, we could have done that, yeah. Rovers have gone four league games to defeat for the first time under Stephen Bradley. Only Cork have more points than Rovers in the last 10 games, 19 points, whereas nobody has picked up fewer than Sligo in their last 10, so that's six points. Uh, Sligo are without a win in seven games drawn four of them so they're struggling big time uh, their only win since Jared Little's appointment as manager was a 3-0 home victory over Limerick on May 6th Rovers have only lost one of their last ten league meetings with Sligo and have lost one of their last seven league visits to uh, the showgrounds I remember the showgrounds being a very hard place to go to when the likes of Cook was there and, and Quigley was playing and scoring goals uh, Gary Shaw has equaled his league tally from last season to become Rovers top scorer in the league with 6 goals Sligo's top scorer is Kieran Sadlier with 7 a lot of those were penalties as well I think being linked with Cork isn't he Sadlier yeah yeah uh, Rovers haven't won or avoided defeat in successive away games since September 11 away league games without a draw is the longest run since 84 so if we don't draw on Sunday it would be uh, our longest run it'd be 12 in a row since 1958 that's a lot that's a big stat it's pretty weird and random stat but it's there nonetheless it goes back doesn't it uh, in the league only Rovers and Dundalk twice have uh, and Cork have beaten Sligo at the showground since the start of 2016 so the bit of red conceded just 20 goals in those 26 games they're pretty strong at home yeah mm. uh, the 4-1 win over Drogheda was Rovers biggest league win under Stephen Bradley the Hoops won 4-2 against Galway and Longford last season so it's a uh, it's his biggest win to date Aaron Bulger came off the bench to score his fourth senior goal. All three of James Doona's goals have come on as a substitute and that was his fourth strike in Tallis. So Doona is our super sub. Uh, it was his fourth, It was the fourth time since, since 2011 title winning night at UCD that two subs scored in one game. Ken O'Man and Dean Kelly. Epic scenes that night. Yeah. That's a great start. I'm loving that one. I have a pop quiz for you, Gert. Okay, here we go. Jesus. Name the four games this season where his sub has scored so a total of 5 goals ok so we'll start with I'll start recent Bulger and Duna mm-hmm. against Drada Bourke against Dundalk opening day yep yeah Duna against Bray that was a cracker sweet finish um, yeah just one more uh, O'Connor versus Balls correct there we go 
and put me in a spot, Riley. <laughs> um, what else we got? We have the 4-1 win over Drogheda. That was the biggest league win. We had that. We had Aaron Boulder. Um, Aaron Boulder is the first player born in the 21st century to score four overs. So at 17 years, that that's a stat that will live on forever. At 17 years, 148 days, Bulger became the youngest player to score a league goal for the club since Barry O'Connor. 17 years and 112 days against UCD in October 1989. Does anyone remember that one? <laughs> uh, Aaron Dobbs is the only other 17-year-old to score in the league since then. So we're going to go with predictions now. Starting 11s, we don't know what will happen. Who will be injured, who will be tired, who will be what. But um, we're just going to go with predictions. And I'm going to say a tired but defiant 1-0 win in Sligo. Probably not going to like my prediction, but it just seems like we're, we're just coming off the game in Iceland, and that's that about it would be the longest run without an away draw since the 50s. Oh, don't do it, Carl. Maloney's shaking in his boots oh. right now listening to this. I'm going to say nil-nil. Oh. So uh, it's Tuesday morning here at the moment, and the uh, Iron Bruce Scottish Cup draws today, so we'll see who Sligo and Bray gets. Quite a few quid for winning that, isn't there? Not too sure about competing, but if you win it, there's a few quid. Um, and our condolences to the Foy family after Pauline Foy passed away on Sunday morning. Um, Robbie's mother, a good friend of Buzz O'Neill. So, um, like we said, we're the wider Hoops family. We, uh, we've we lost another great hoop there. So, our condolences out to the Foy family. So, our next show will be on Wednesday morning. So, one more sleep until we invade Iceland. Drink their beer, take their women, out sing their fans, scalp their team and come home victorious. So, Keep on hooping, folks, and don't forget your toothbrush. See ya, Wimps. Never